the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How many times should we forgive someone who sins against us? Now, this is a legitimate question because some people just keep committing the same offenses against us. And there is a sense in our hearts in which we think, you know, enough is enough. They've done this. How gracious does the Lord want me to be? I've forgiven him several times and he keeps doing this to me. Hello, I'm Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our leader for these daily Bible studies. Today begins a new series of studies. We will be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to see what the Apostle Paul had to say about forgiveness. The Lord Jesus Christ had quite a bit to say about forgiveness as well, and we will be looking into that also. Pastor Steve has been teaching the Word of God verse by verse at Lakeside for more than 26 years. Verse by Verse Ministries makes his expository messages available through this radio station as well as the website I'll tell you about after class. Now, if you have your Bible, open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. Let's begin our lesson. I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We are continuing in our verse-by-verse study of this book, not, not moving very quickly, but at least we're trying to be thorough. And uh, this really does need to be covered in a thorough manner because 2 Corinthians is a very neglected book, perhaps the most neglected of all New Testament books, and so we, we want to make sure we understand properly and uh, we want to be thorough. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you verses 5 through 11. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, just a a casual glance at these verses reveals that in some way, this section of Scripture must involve forgiving someone. You have to see that even if you don't know the details of this chapter. And you have to see that because Paul mentions the words forgive or forgiven several times. He mentions them in verse 7 and verse 10. And even though, as I said, you may not know the the specific situation, details of these verses, it really isn't hard to pick up the tone of the passage. And the tone is this. The Corinthians apparently 
as a church body had administered church discipline upon a sinning member of their congregation. We get that from verse 6. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. So they punished in the sense of church discipline a man in their congregation, and though he has subsequently repented of his sin, this church did not forgive him, nor did they restore him to fellowship. Now, that's the tone of the passage. That's really what it's about. And this is why Paul urges them, for example, in verse 7, he says to forgive and comfort him. In verse 8, he says, reaffirm your love for him. The only reason you would tell somebody to do that is because they haven't done it yet. So this is what it's about. Now, the Corinthians have not been the only Christians or church to have struggles in the area of forgiveness. They're not alone in that. In spite of all that the Bible says about how we are to forgive those who have sinned against us, there are many believers who are not obedient to the Lord in this area. In fact, quite a few believers are not obedient to the Lord in this area. They harbor old hurts. They nurture these feelings until they are dominated by bitterness. They carry resentment in their hearts over things said or done to them years ago, absolutely years ago. They hold grudges that have turned into obsessions about some past injustice or injustices done to them. And rather than repenting of the sin and recognizing that the root of this is just arrogant, sinful pride, they choose to keep on mentally punishing the offender. And the Lord knows that our natural tendency is not to forgive. By nature, we are not people who forgive. But when he saved us, he gave us the Holy Spirit to overcome our natural tendencies. And we have been given the Spirit of God to empower us to say no to the natural inclination of our hearts to not forgive and to say yes to obey God and to forgive. And he has given us several clear commands and guidelines in Scripture to tell us what exactly he expects of us. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to give us the strength to obey him. And I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to camp there for a while because Jesus spoke about this subject of of forgiveness and restoration in Matthew chapter 18. In this chapter, and we really cannot deal with 2 Corinthians chapter 2 unless we understand some basic truths about forgiveness. But in Matthew chapter 18, the Lord Jesus answered three basic questions about forgiveness. One question was asked by a disciple. He brought it up. But the two other questions, I believe the Lord answered in the sense of anticipating that people like you and people like me down through the ages, his followers would have these questions concerning forgiveness. Now, the first question had to do, and it's a very legitimate question, how many times should we forgive someone who sins against us? Peter raised this in verse 21 of chapter 18. Then Peter came and and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, this is a legitimate question because some people just keep committing the same offenses against us. And there is a sense in our hearts in which we think, you know, enough is enough. They've done this. How gracious does the Lord want me to be? I've forgiven him several times and he keeps doing this to me. So Peter had that thought in mind and he said, Lord, how often? Seven times. Now, you should understand the rabbis of that day taught that three times was sufficient. After that, you don't need to forgive. And so I think Peter suggested seven times because he was trying to be generous 
spiritual. After all, he had been with Jesus for years. Something should have rubbed off on him. And so he says seven times, probably trying to impress the Lord. But unlike sinners who want to limit forgiveness in any way, Jesus said that there is no limit to the number of times you should forgive someone who sins against you. And he said that in verse 22. Here was his answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, the Lord wasn't saying they get 490 chances. And then right after that, you cut them off. He wasn't saying that at all. This is simply a a colloquialism. It's just an expression to teach that there's, there's no limit to forgiveness. You don't count. There's nothing. Love doesn't uh, uh, count and calculate wrongs done against someone. Every time you are sinned against by someone, either a harsh word or neglect or unthoughtfulness or, or whatever, you are to forgive them and you never stop forgiving them no matter how often they sin against you. Now, that's what Jesus taught. That's what he taught. And it leads to a second question. The first one was how many times? And Jesus said, you can't count. There are no uh, limits when it comes to forgiveness. So there's a second question. Why is there no limit to forgiveness? Why not? After all, we might think if there's no limit to forgiving someone, and they're li- very likely to take advantage of us. Lord, do you realize if, if they know that I'm going to forgive them every time, they're going to exploit me. They're going to take advantage And so this is the question, really, that Jesus anticipated would be in the minds of his disciples down through the ages. It's in our minds at times. Why? Why why do I have to keep forgiving somebody? They keep doing this to me, and they're taking advantage of my graciousness to them. And so the Lord knew that this would be a question, and so he answered it without them even raising it. He answered that by a parable. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the parables, a parable is really an earthly story that has a heavenly and spiritual message. It's generally a made-up story. It's oftentimes a comparison. Jesus would often say, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of of God is compared to, and then he'd just have an earthly story that everybody can understand, and then he would make his point, this is what I want you to know as far as a message from this. And so he told them a parable, starting in verse 23. For this reason, he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Now, the story revolves around a king whose slave owed him an astronomical amount of money, 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't mean much to us because we don't have that monetary system of talents today. He's not talking about talents in the sense of a gift. He's talking about talents in the sense sense of of a monetary system. 10,000 talents. How much would that be worth today? It would be about $10 million, and maybe with inflation more. There is no way that this slave could pay off that debt. He couldn't live long enough to do that. 
In that economy, it would take this man 20 years just to earn one talent. And he owed the king 10,000 talents. That's why it is absolutely ludicrous for him to say, have mercy on me, I'll pay you everything. He couldn't do, he couldn't live enough years to do that. Couldn't do it. But according to verse 27, the king was moved by compassion and released him from his debt and he forgave him. What a tremendous truth. Now, what's the point of, of this aspect of the parable? The slave in this parable represents somebody, represents us. We are this slave, sinners who owe God an unpayable debt, a debt we could never pay off, never. A hopeless situation that unless remedied by God would cause us when we die to end up in hell forever being punished in endless payments for the debt of our sins. We had a debt we could never pay. Those who die and go to hell will be paying for their sins forever and ever and still never pay it off. It is an eternal debt. That's the point. But if the slave of this parable represents us, then who does the king represent? Obviously, he represents God. He represents God who chose to forgive all of this massive debt simply because he was compassionate. Now, we want to be careful about that. God does not truly forgive just because he's compassionate. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. There are some people who think, well, I'll seek God's forgiveness and God will forgive me just because he's compassionate. No, not even God can do that because God is not only compassionate, he is holy. And that debt must be paid. So this parable, you know, when you interpret a parable, you have to get the gist of it. You, you can't, as we say, have it walk on all fours. You can't be over analytical in a parable. That would be the wrong way to interpret this. The point is that this king was compassionate, as God is compassionate. Now, he forgave because of that. And this is precisely the message of the New Testament. Let me bring in the rest of the New Testament here. Because Jesus Christ, the God-man, came to this earth and paid our debt on the cross. He paid the debt. God the Father fully forgives any sinner who turns to him for salvation. When Jesus Christ died just before his death, he said, it is finished. In the Greek language, that word is one word. That expression is one word. It is tetelestai. And it means the debt is paid. It was a word that the people used and the merchants used to say that, that someone has paid their debt. Tetelestai. It's over. It's paid. Paid in full. When Jesus Christ died, he paid in full our debt the debt that we owed God for our, our sins. Our sins made us debtors, and we could never pay off that debt. That's why it is absurd, it is ludicrous, it is, it is ridiculous that anyone could think that they could work to gain their way to salvation. You can't. You have a debt you could never pay, but God in his grace paid it for us. He paid it for us. And that's why when you turn to him for salvation, deliverance from your sin, God forgives you all of your debt, because it's already been paid. There's not one thing that if, if you are a Christian, not, there's not one thing that you'll ever be condemned for. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us how much we've been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes to this church, he says in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. We've been purchased by his blood. 
And watch this, the forgiveness of our trespasses. How much? All of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. How rich is his grace? Which he lavished on us. God just poured it out on us. And 1 John 2.12 says that we've been forgiven all of our sins. That means past, present, and whatever sins you're going to commit tomorrow and the day after and all that. So in response to why should we forgive without limit those who sin against us, the answer is because God has forgiven you all of your sins. God has forgiven us every one of our sins. And that is exactly how he wants us to be with others. And in fact, in Ephesians, if you turn back there, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, this is one of the most significant verses in all the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is telling us how to behave as Christians. We're not to behave like we used to behave when we were non-Christians. The way we used to be as non-Christians is never to forgive. But now we're to forgive. Ephesians 4 verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Now, the only reason Paul would say this to believers, to a church, is because this is the way some of us behave. And Paul says, put it off. Take it off like you take off an old, sweaty, filthy garment. Lay it aside. Don't keep that stuff on you. It's not becoming to those who take Christ's name. What should we do then? You don't just put off. You must take on. You don't just stop a bad habit. You replace it with a good godly habit. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Watch this, forgiving each other. How? How, Paul? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. How has God forgiven you magnanimously? How has he forgiven you? Everything. You came to him asking for forgiveness and he didn't put you on probation. He forgave you all of your sins. When someone sins against you, you are to forgive them all of their sins. Unconditional. You don't have to wait for them to repent. You don't have to wait for them to apologize. Now, there may be an issue of restoration of fellowship involved if they don't. But as far as in your heart, you forgive them completely. Colossians 3.13 says the same thing. You don't need to turn there, but it says the same thing. Forgive them. So the point is this. If God has forgiven you every sin you have ever committed, and you know how rotten you are. I know how rotten I am. Every single sin, even all those temper tantrums when you were a little kid that you've forgotten about. All the jealousy, the pride, the envy, the lust, the covetousness, the attitudes, the actions, the omissions of things you should have done. Things that if God showed you all your sin at once, you'd have a heart attack. All of that has been forgiven. Then certainly if somebody sins against you, you can forgive them. Because they have never sinned against you like you've sinned against God. And he forgave you all. But, What if you refuse to do that? As some Christians do. And they rationalize it. And they excuse it. And they've lived with a a lack of forgiveness so long, it's second nature to them. They've lived with it so long, they don't know it's abnormal. What if you refuse to forgive others? If a believer receives God's full forgiveness, yet won't forgive those who sin against him, what about that? Well, that's the third question that Jesus dealt with. No one brought it up. He just anticipated it because he knows human nature. Here's the third question. What if we don't forgive? And the answer is also found in this parable. He just continued the parable and it answers this third question. What if you don't forgive? Now he's talking about believers. 
Unbelievers do not forgive. They don't have the capacity to forgive because they've never been forgiven. They can't do it. But he's talking about believers. He continues the parable, Matthew chapter 18, verse 28. But that slave, remember that forgiven slave, went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And Jesus concluded the parable, and here's his point. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Now, this slave who had experienced such forgiveness, such complete forgiveness, $10 million of debt wiped out like that, he refused to forgive someone who owed him 100 denarii. You know what 100 denarii was worth? About three months' wages. That's it. It's just a summer job. That's it. But he wouldn't forgive. Though he had experienced such incredible mercy and compassion, he refused to extend mercy and compassion to someone else over a little thing, relatively little thing. Relatively. The guy could have paid it off uh, rather quickly. It's not that big a deal. And as a result, when the slave's behavior was reported to the king, the king was outraged. And rightfully so. And he sentenced the unforgiving slave to be tortured. Now, what's the point of this? Is the point being that if you don't forgive, you will go to hell? No, it can't be. Because that would contradict the rest of Scripture. The rest of Scripture tells us that there is no condemnation for those who know Christ Jesus. That salvation is forever. This man was forgiven. God didn't take back that forgiveness. He was forgiven. The slave was forgiven. Forgiven people are no longer under under condemnation for their sins. If if that was the case, then God would be found to, to lie. He doesn't. So the point of this parable is this. If you as a forgiven believer in Christ, and those are the only kind of believers, forgiven believers in Christ, if you will not forgive others, then God will severely discipline you as his child until you repent of your wickedness and choose to forgive others. That's the point. God disciplines, he chastises, he spanks his children. He does not send them to hell. The debt was paid by Christ. You've accepted that. God has given you eternal life as a gift. He never takes his gifts back. I've heard it said that failing to forgive is like drinking rat poison to get rid of the rats. Not a good idea. And I've heard a lot of people tell me that they can't forgive someone. Well, to put it as gently as I can, that is simply not true. God commands us to forgive, and He never commands us to do something that He will not empower us to do. We can forgive. The question is, will we? Pastor Steve will be back to tell us in our next verse-by-verse about the marvelous healing that we will find for our souls when we decide to forgive. Anger and malice cause not only emotional ill, but physical symptoms as well. In fact, science is just now discovering that God knew what he was thinking about when he said to forgive. 
Thank you for joining us for today's Bible Class of the Air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been teaching for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are thrilled to be able to bring his clear, expository messages to you through this radio station. We couldn't do it without the prayers and generous gifts of listeners like you who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the program for later. If you want to make sure to catch all of our classes, we offer a free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's lesson was the first part of a three-part message. To hear the entire message at one time, you can call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette. That number again, 727-441-1714. Having an attitude of forgiveness does not mean that we should condone all sorts of ungodly behavior. God doesn't condone it, and neither should we. How can we meet God's expectation that we forgive over and over and still have high moral standards? That's an important question, and I hope you can join us for the next verse by verse to learn what the Bible says about it. We will see you then. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.